Welcome to the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by Sharebird and Clue. This is a show about establishing product marketing, being the first product marketer, and the challenges they faced. I'm JD Prater. For the past decade, everyone was obsessed with finding a growth hacker. But now, product marketers are in high demand as companies realize their value. Startups are now asking, when should I hire a product marketer? Should my first marketing hire be a product marketer? A lot of folks want to be the first marketer, but only a few make the leap. They're the builders, the fixers, the risk takers. They embrace chaos. They're comfortable being uncomfortable. And this is a journey into their world. It's about sharing the thrills and chills of being the first product marketer at a company. Along the way, we'll meet some amazing people. You'll hear engaging stories about imperfect product launches, the challenges and nuances of everyday work, and the skills needed to succeed. And of course, fresh perspective of what it really takes to be the company's first product marketer. Before we meet our guest, we'll pause for a quick word from our sponsors at Clue. Meet Jen. She's selling her division's product to a savvy new prospect. And unfortunately for Jen, she's about to get blindsided. So that sounds great, uh, but your competitor just launched something very similar. Uh, How do you compare? Jen needs to move fast. With a few taps, she leverages up-to-date intel her product marketing team has curated with Clue. Later in the show, we'll hear more on how Clue helps reps like Jen win deals every day. Learn more at clue.com slash thrills. Today's guest is Jeffrey Vosell, Director of Product Marketing at Iterable. We talk about his career in MarTech, joining HubSpot the same week the company went public, and his first couple of months at Iterable as a full-time remote employee, and how he's working to establish product marketing as a core function. But before we get into product marketing, Jeffrey, talk to me about starting your own company. Yeah, it was a bit of a wild ride. Just before founding my own company, I was at a medical device company named Traeger Medical. It's a privately held German company, or at least was at the time I was there. And I worked in their medical device division, which made patient monitors, those little monitors that sit right by the bed of a patient and monitor their vitals. A little like boop. Exactly. Yeah, okay. those all annoying right, right. things that just beep at you all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, all right. um, and it was really interesting from a product management perspective because I got really like the hardware side of the house and making sure that the planning for all the right parts and like all the things that actually went into this monitor physically were in stock and in our warehouses and like all that stuff. And then I got the other side of the house too, which was 95% of these monitors was the software that's actually running it. So I got to like really see both sides of that. And that was interesting. But towards the tail end of my kind of tenure at Draeger, I, as you can imagine in like the medical industry, there's just a lot of rules and process. And that's just not the environment that I function best in. And so towards the tail end, I, I was getting a little bit frustrated by that and met up with a few people I would call friends actually. Few folks from Dyn, it's spelled D-Y-N. It's now acquired by Oracle, but at the time they were really a DNS and email deliverability company. And I met up with a few friends there and really had the idea for TrendSlide. And Ben, um, co-founder and I met from there and kicked things off with a, a kind of a small round of angel funding. I, th- I think it was 150,000 if memory serves me correctly. And decided to leave, both leave our full-time jobs when we got that round of angel funding and really just go after this full-time. And uh, TrendSlide was a mobile app that connected to a lot of software systems like 
Twitter, we were working on connecting to HubSpot. We connected to Google Analytics, Shopify, and a whole bunch of other things. And it was really intended as a tool for small business owners and or marketers to monitor what their kind of business and or marketing metrics looked like from the moment they stepped away from their computer. Challenge. How did you go from medical devices to like MarTech? Yeah, totally. It, it was quite the jump. Really, I guess the impetus for it or, or the driving force behind it was at the end of every month at Draeger, we had to send a whole bunch of reports to the FDA from hospitals and what had happened with like patients being connected to our monitors, both good and, and bad outcomes. And a lot of that, a lot of the reporting responsibility was up to the PMs at Draeger. So we had to go into Salesforce and go into a whole bunch of different systems to collect all this data to, to, to really build these reports for them. FDA. And as you can imagine, these reports were pretty long. So they took a fair amount of time. And I thought to myself, I'm like, there has to be an easier way. And <laughs> when I started thinking about that, I started like really investigating business intelligence solutions. And I discovered there was already a class of tools, so to speak, like Domo and, and others at the enterprise level. And so I had no intention of trying to fast follow them. And I thought to myself, there doesn't appear to be anything like this for kind of the smaller side of the spectrum of businesses. That's where the idea came to be. And just jumping in Mar into MarTech was uh, just luck. And so you had a, a co-founder. How did you guys split the roles here? Yeah, Ben's a great guy. We still chat uh, occasionally today. And he is very technical. He's one of the most incredible developers that I've ever had the fortune to meet or work with. And so he took all of the software architecture and building the actual physical product itself. And I worked with him a bit on that because I just come from a product manager role. So I had a fair amount of experience looking at the UI of different software and, and helping with that. So I helped a fair amount on some of that, but Ben really brought all of those conceptual ideas to, to life in a an app format. And so it was really a pretty clean split between him actually like building the product and building the application itself. And I was managing essentially the, the business and the marketing side of things. As the business went on, so Trendside was essentially in business for about 18 or 19 months or so before it got uh, acquired. So your first company that you start, you are able to raise $150,000 <laughs> and then you're able to then sell it within the first like year and a half. Yeah, it was. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, and then this kind of got you into product marketing. Like this is like your foray. In it, it did. Yeah. I was fortunate where somebody on our board was the CEO of an AB testing company down in Boston, was privately held at the time, had no venture backing, but they'd grown significantly. They were like a 120 person team or something that had just grown all naturally, which was pretty incredible. And they had no product marketers, but they were really looking to kickstart that role within the company. So I decided to go and join a SiteSpec and be really the, the first product marketer there. Nice. And then you eventually go to Nanigans, which I'm familiar with. Talk to me a little bit about Nanigans and then eventually making the leap over into HubSpot, which we're going to get into, but let's spend a few minutes on Nanigans and then I'm going to tee you up real nice here on HubSpot. Awesome. Yeah, SiteSpec was great. I think one of the interesting things is I'm sure you are well aware of JD is like every company defines product marketing just a little bit different. And at SiteSpec, given I was the first product marketer, they didn't quite know 
know exactly how to define the role. It was, I think, looking back on it, it was a mix of content and what I would probably call like traditional or, or maybe true product marketing from to a large extent. It was a good mix, but it was an interesting balance to strike. And after a year or so at SiteSpect, I touched base with actually a, a former HubSpotter, which will lead into our HubSpot story, who was leading the marketing team at Nanigans at the time. And he reached out asking me if I'd be interested to lead the product marketing team over at Nanigans. Oh, nice. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm interested. <laughs> uh, who, who wouldn't be? So Dan and I instantly hit it off and I decided to hop over to Nanigans and, and join there. And that was an incredible ride for, I, I was only there for about nine months or so and happy to get into that, but I was only there for about nine months and it was fun leading the, the team over there and joining that company. And then from Nanigans decided to, to jump over to HubSpot. <laughs> we'll get into some of the Nanigan stuff, I think, towards the end. But I, I want to talk a little bit about HubSpot because you were there for a significant amount of time. You're looking at over six years. But I think what's really fascinating that I learned was you joined HubSpot the same week they went IPO. That's got to be a ride. Like, how do you get higher than that? I'm sure the company was like just so excited. Yeah, there was just like this real tangible like celebration and sense of excitement in the hallways of HubSpot at that point. Joined on a Monday. I think I was in a new hire class of roughly 20 or so, maybe a little bit more than that. And we all started bright and early on a Monday morning. I believe HubSpot went public on a Thursday, if memory serves me correctly. <laughs> and they had a massive celebration planned. HubSpot names their conference rooms, as you probably know, after individual individuals that they admire or even look up to. And their big conference room at that point was named Benioff, of course, <laughs> after Mark Benioff. Uh, of Salesforce, And yes. everyone who was in the Cambridge office, or at least as many people who could fit into that room, all piled into that room. We watched the live stream with Darmesh and Brian and JD and, and really the majority of the executive team down there in the New York Stock Exchange introduce it. And we were all just incredibly excited. It was wild though. There's, It's going to be hard to top that, but I'm so excited for where I'm at today. I'm so excited <laughs> for where product marketing is headed. I, yeah. I only see like a ton of positive things from here on out. I don't know if I'll ever quite experience something exactly like that uh, again, but but I hope I'm fortunate enough to. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your ride there. So talk to me about being a product marketing manager at HubSpot. And then eventually you work your way up into leading a team. And so talk to me about that journey. That's five years, but also like product marketing changes as well. There's new products added as well. There's new hubs. And I know we could probably spend the next hour just talking about it, but you know, just oh. synthesize, if you will, if you can, just what that yeah. was like. Yeah, it was HubSpot was at least so far, one of the best experiences of my entire life. When I started, I really came to the table with a, a lot of experience in the CMS market, came to the table with a, a fair amount of product marketing experience, given my time at SiteSpect and Nanigans. And that was a good combination. HubSpot had a CMS at that time, but it was considered an add-on product. You needed to purchase their, probably their flagship product or the most well-known product that they have, which was at the time, at least Marketing Hub, might be their CRM today, but at the time it was definitely Marketing Hub. And they really wanted to grow that business around the CMS add-on. I think it was my second or maybe third week at HubSpot. I, I was brought in front of the executive team. It's, it's a meeting that they call Helm or HubSpot Executive Leadership Meeting. HubSpot loves recruitment, by the way. And I presented 
presented on a plan to grow the CMS add-on side of the business. And of course, presenting in front of incredible executives like Brian and Darmesh and just everyone in that room was an experience that I'm happy to talk about and has served me incredibly well in my career. Naturally, they poked some holes in my plan and, and <laughs> I, I, I went back and, and I fixed it. And I was back, I think two weeks later or three weeks later or something to that nature, presenting again in front of them. And I think I, I presented to them about three or four times in total. In fact, at the time, the CIO of HubSpot gave me gave me a vest because he's like, you a pretty good job like handling all these questions. And at that point, I felt like a tenured vet and I was only about two months in. But I really started working on the CMS side of the business. And when I joined HubSpot, we had the CRM and we had Marketing Hub. We didn't have Sales Hub. We didn't have some of these other product lines that they now do as well. And so it was an incredible opportunity where the product marketing team was, I believe it was four people, not including me. I was the fifth. And the product marketers were mostly broken down or, or organized, I should say, by product line. There was a product marketer who handled the lead generation part of Marketing Hub. So covered CTAs and forms and landing pages and, and things of that nature. When I joined, I covered all of the content tools, essentially, which is essentially their CMS plus some additional tools as well. It was a really good experience to come in, learn from a lot of incredible people like Megan Keeney Anderson at the time was the, yeah. the director of product marketing there. She's now a VP of marketing there and covers far more than just product marketing, but learn from some incredible people like her. And over time, as the product line started to grow and as my depth of knowledge about the platform started to grow, I started to just take on more and more of the, the marketing hub. And that was an incredible experience. I think it was 20, I think it was early 2019, if memory serves me correctly, where I took over all product marketing for marketing hub overall and, and was starting to lead a team that experience has been, like I said, one of the best in, in my entire life. It was just leading a, a massive flagship product line at a company like HubSpot right. uh, is, <laughs> like I said before, I don't know if it'll ever happen again, but I hope it does because that was incredible. And, and I think I'm doing really awesome work that makes me really happy. I truly hope Iterable gets to that phase. And I truly hope all of the companies that you're working for like get to that phase. But, but yeah, it was an interesting time. What do you think made you so successful at your time at HubSpot? I spent a lot of time thinking about a, a few things. Number one, where MarTech was headed. And I tried to align myself with projects that would line up with where I thought things were headed over the next six months, year, two years, you know, whatever. I think hard work is another one. As I was growing up, my dad would say to me, like, I may not be the smartest person in the room, but I will damn near outwork everybody else in the room. And your quote, dad and my dad are very similar in that. <laughs> exactly. So that quote stuck with me for whatever reason reason. And I dedicated myself to my work quite a bit. And I think that's honestly probably th the biggest thing. And I spent a lot of time in the, I would say fundamentals of, of product marketing. How do you write uh, positioning? How do you truly do research and testing? What is that all like? What does a good launch plan look like? How does that work? How do you communicate up and down the kind of chain of command, so to speak? All of that stuff that I think is crucial to a product marketing manager's role today. I spent a lot of time figuring that out and testing different things. And I, I think all of those things fundamentally helped make me successful. It gave me like a great depth of knowledge that I could pull from as I continue to grow more senior. Now we'll pause for a quick word from our sponsors at Clue. Not a day goes by in sales that someone doesn't ask how your product compares. Earlier, a friend Jen dug herself out of a tight spot with Clue, the product marketer's platform for handling all things competitive. 
Clue helps product marketing teams collect intel from coworkers, Slack, emails, and the web, putting it all into one place that's always up to date and giving Jen the superpowers she needs when she needs them. Listen in at the end of this episode to hear how Clue empowers every team across the org with insights, something we call competitive enablement. Learn more at clue.com slash thrills. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash thrills. Yeah, looking at your career at HubSpot, how did you know when it was time to leave? You, you were, you're moving up every year and a half. You're leading a team, you're leading a hub. What was it? Was it just time? I'd love to dive into it. Yeah, totally. So I left HubSpot when I was leading, I should back up and say, I was leading a team of four people at HubSpot. And the overall product marketing team at that time was, I believe it was 16 people. Um, 16? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, and to be clear, product marketing at HubSpot is inclusive of competitive intelligence. So there is a leader of competitive intelligence at HubSpot who has, I believe it's two, although that number may be different now since I left, but I believe it's two analysts. So it was really like 12 or 13 or or 14 PMMs, essentially. I was leading a a good portion of the team, but certainly not all of the team. And I, I was at a point in my career where the senior director of product marketing, a woman by the name of Mary Margaret, was fantastic. And I could foresee her being in that role for a long time. And I really wanted an opportunity to lead my own product marketing team and to grow that function. In addition to that, HubSpot has grown tremendously. They're, I believe they're right around 3,900 or 4,000 employees today. Yeah. Where, you know, back when I started, the, the week that I started, they were like 600 or maybe 700 at, at largest. Uh, yeah, so- yeah. And so it's a way different company today than it was six years ago or so. And I missed some of those aspects of being smaller and more nimble and moving fast and some of those things. So I wanted a lot of that again. I I wanted to be a part of a team that needed a little bit of that structure and was part of a, a company that was rapidly growing, but wasn't like overly indexed on process and structure. And I think there's a lot of great things about that, just to be clear. The way HubSpot does launches is remarkable. They are a gold standard to probably folks like you and I, but there's a lot that happens behind the scenes and I'm, uh, on those launches. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about that, but, <laughs> but some of the kind of process piece, uh, sure. going even going back to my medical device days, started to crop up and that's natural. That's not HubSpot's fault. It's the fact that they got to, or they are now at 4,000 people and, and you need process to manage sure. that size and scale of a company. And I wanted to be at a smaller, more nimble organization that was growing and scaling really fast. And so that's really the time that I, I started looking. Let's get and, into the looking part of it. I'm yeah. actually curious. So this is something I know, again, uh, we're talking about first product marketers. We're talking about establishing product marketing. And you've given us a pretty good overview of, of you doing it. So now... We're going back to a startup now. We're, we're at Iterable. Is that series, what, series C, series D? Series C, I believe, yeah. C, okay. So what were you looking for? Did you have criteria? Like, how are you vetting all of these different roles that you could possibly have? You're a senior manager, product marketing at HubSpot. People know HubSpot. They know the mm-hmm. company. They know the product lines. And I'm sure that makes you coveted. Uh, to, to, to some extent, right? Yeah. Totally. Uh, and so how did you facilitate these conversations? How did you look at and evaluate companies? Yeah, I was fortunate that 
being at HubSpot helped open a fair amount of doors for me. In fact, when I started my job search, I guess I was fortunate in some respects that I wound up talking to more companies than I expected. And <laughs> and maybe this is just a part of the nuance of, of who I am, but I started a spreadsheet because I just couldn't keep track of all these uh, different companies in my head and whether like I had responded and where they were at and the process and like all this stuff. So I started a spreadsheet. But anyway, it definitely helped open some doors. And I think I, I went into it almost like a little bit on the fence whether I should be looking, to, to be mm. honest. I was very well aware uh, that HubSpot was a really special company and a really special place. And part of me wasn't like, part of me had one foot in the door and one foot out of the door. So with that in mind, I didn't pre-write a, a long list of requirements or come up with something to, to that nature. I knew I wanted a director level role at an established company. Uh, so I have a family, so I, I couldn't join a company that was too early and had too much risk. But I wanted to join a company that felt like it was on a really strong growth path that's needed, frankly, the structure of product marketing needed somebody to come in and yeah, just lead a broader product marketing team. And I talked to a lot of companies. I talked to companies virtually in every different location in the US because I, at the time I was open to moving to a few different places. I was targeting kind of Boston, which is really right around where I'm based. I was targeting Austin, Texas. That's a tech hub. Yeah. Uh, looked in San Francisco quite a bit. Iterable has their headquarters in San Francisco. I'm still on the East Coast working remotely, but I looked at a, a number of different locations and talked to a number of different companies, a number of different sectors. And it came down to really three companies and Iterable was a, the leading one there. And when the offer came in, I had to accept it because they were definitely leading the pack. Cool. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I felt, you mentioned this earlier, but I felt pretty similar where coming from MarTech at HubSpot to Iterable, that had some similarities and they have quite a few differences too, by the way, that I think aren't maybe totally apparent to the broader market, but coming to a startup that felt like it had some similarities, I felt would do me a lot of good because it made the transition easier and it has made the transition easier. Mm. No, I like that. I think, man, I, I want to say someone on Sharebird, I can't, I'll have to go look this up and we'll put it in the, in the show notes, but someone had said, when you're looking for a new role, um, it's really tough to change industry and level at the same yeah. time. And so I think thinking about those things for those that are listening, if you want to be the first product marketer or you want to establish product marketing, um, I'm, I'm going to find it and we're going to put it in there because it was such a good answer because it was something that I have been thinking about as well. But Love that. Within Iterable, you've been there now, let's just say, let's just call it six months. You know, yep. what was your first 30, 60, 90? What does that look like when you're coming in? And then tell me about the team as well. Like how many people are on the team? Yeah. Before I joined, they had one product marketing manager. He's still here. Great guy. And he was frankly doing a great job treading water, so to speak, of all the requests coming <laughs> I can in. can only imagine. Uh, being the kind of sole product marketer. And I've I've been there. I understand what that's, and it's difficult. And shortly, about a month before I joined, another senior product marketing manager joined him to give him some relief as well. And, and so when I joined, I had a team of two already, which was great. It was great to have some folks on the team who we could dedicate to different product launches. There's a number of kind of areas of our product around AI, around workflows, like kind of the automation engine that we call Workflow Studio, and really around like analytics 
analytics and reporting. And we had a lot of launches between all three of those functional areas. And so being able to really go deep into those areas across the team was incredibly valuable. I, I think if it were just the one of us or something to that nature, it would have been a lot harder. But coming in, I wanted to really get acclimated with the company. My manager, the, the VP of marketing here was great in the sense that she really allowed me and, and wanted me to get familiar with all of the people in the company. And she was like, listen, you're the product marketing expert. I want you to tell me what the problems you see are and what we, we can fix for product marketing. And so I came in and I had, uh, I forget the exact number, but it was roughly 30 coffee meetings in 30 days or so with different executives and different individual contributors across the entire business and across different departments and so forth. And that was a lot of fun. And by the end of it, I had so many notes and so many things that, that <laughs> yeah. I had to do that it was, it was pretty incredible. And, and all the meanwhile, in that first month, we also had uh, our conference that we call Activate. It shifted from, given COVID and everything, it shifted from in-person to virtual. And we had our customer advisory board. So there was like a lot going on for me to jump into, but also this great kind of foundational set of meetings, meeting people across the business and learning what do they see as the challenges and what are some of the problems that they run into? How do they learn about what's rolling out and what's new? Do they know about who our competitors are and where we play in that space? Uh, all of those questions that come up as product marketers and really pointed me in, in a few different directions. That's There are a few priorities. First and foremost, that we needed a uh, kind of a solidified go-to-market process for our launches. Not everything that the engineering team or the product team builds deserves to have uh, 100 plus hours of you know, a product <laughs> yeah. marketer's time. So we implemented some process around that first. And how did, how did they respond to that? You're the new guy coming in and you're saying, hey, I'm sorry, this is like a tier two, tier three launch. I, I can't give you full resource. This isn't a tier one. Yeah. They actually responded really well to, to oh, it. Okay. And, and they've been really good. It's been quite the experience. It's different in many ways from HubSpot where a lot of the systems and the structure was in place and we had to scale that up as we built HubSpot's product marketing team and, and as the organization grew around us as well. But some of that foundational structure was there already. Whereas coming into Iterable, some of that structure needed to be built. And now that it's built, now we're in a place where we're starting to like scale that up a bit. And it's a learning experience for all departments, not just product marketing, right? Like you have to work with CS and sales. And if you have an enablement team, which we do here at Iterable, and I'm, I'm super thankful for, for that, you have to work with all of those teams to really nail this and, and ensure that the process works for all of them, but that the launch is also tailored enough to meet their needs as well. What do you think, like what skills are needed to be as successful as a first PMM? You've done this over and over again within your career. What makes someone successful? What makes you successful? What, what advice would you give to anyone listening to say, if, if, you, if this sounds like you, this could be a good fit for you? Yeah, I, I think it changes and evolves as the, the company evolves and gets through additional stages. Like a PMM who may be a great fit for a Series B company is probably not the same individual or same set of skills, I should say, as somebody who may be a, a great PMM at maybe a public company or just a later stage company. And that's okay. I, I honestly 
took a while to internalize that. As I mentioned in my HubSpot, I looked back on some of the early days and said, that's where I really thrived is the fast pace and the, the excitement of a lot of things happening. And, and I really fed off a lot of that to grow and really do really well. So I think on skills, adaptability is a must. Product marketing, regardless of whether your organization is big or small or early stage or later stage, product marketing will be one of those roles that throw a lot of variability at you. And inevitably in the process of a product launch or something that you're working on in product marketing, something will happen, something will change. So you need to be adaptable. And I've found that to I found it to be like an earlier stage company has a lot more of that, right? So I think being adaptable is, is one of those core skills. Yeah. I think the other thing is like around organization and being able to be that, that glue between these different people. Your role is essentially to take what product is doing and connect that out with the broader market. And you need to be able to seamlessly share that with sales and CS and others in the organization and work especially if you're a sole product marketer, you need to be able to communicate up and down the, from C-level executives all the way down to brand new hires. I think that can be tough. I think the biggest thing is like, spend a lot of time with people, get to know them, be empathetic, not only with obviously others on the team, but with you know the actual people using your product or software or solution, learn about them, learn about what their day-to-day is. They have challenges in their work life. Everybody does at this point, like working from home and on Zoom a lot and whatnot, but learn about them. And, and if you can do that, some of the other skills around that, such as how to write perfect positioning or things like that will like, will naturally fall into place. And, and obviously you should spend time on that stuff, but a lot of that will fall into place. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I agree with those. Whenever you think about the thrills and the chills, right? So this is the podcast name, thrills and chills, the highs yeah. and the lows, the wins and the fails. What do you got for me? What are your thrills and chills for this episode? Oh, it's a great question. I'll give you two thrills. You and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, but one of them is it seems like you can't go anywhere without hearing about the PS5 and what Sony is doing with, with that gaming console. Just and killing it. Yeah, totally. And they're doing incredible. And and I used to be a gamer. I am no longer, I haven't touched a gaming device or console <laughs> in 10 plus years at this point. Yeah, yeah. But but even still with all the commotion around it, I, I do think from time to time, maybe I should, maybe I should get one of those. And <laughs> even what about the kids? Did, did the kids play now? They do. Yeah, they, they do. do. Okay. Okay. Although uh, I, I think it's maybe a, a generational thing. They love playing on their iPads versus uh, the, the console okay. itself. That's good. At least you don't have to cut off your left leg to get one of these things. They're exactly. in high demand. Exactly. And the second thrill I'll, I'll give you is Edible, one of, the, one of the very first projects that I started to work on, which was really a result of a lot of those conversations that I had, was we needed a, a new way to talk about the company. We needed a new company narrative, essentially. And just rolled that out actually oh. over the past week or so. So nice. that was a long project, about about three or four months worth of work. And, and it, was, it was a fun one. Like I, I had done a lot of messaging and a lot of high profile rollouts at HubSpot. And this was like, not the first time, cause I worked on quite a fair amount of company level messaging at HubSpot too, but this was the first time being in, in the driver's seat of that entire process. And that was a, a ton of fun. I have to say very stressful too, but, but it was yeah. a ton of fun. Oh man. Especially within like your first, like six months coming in, just aligning vectors as Darmesh would say, yeah. dropping a new narrative. That's a great thrill. Any any chills? 
Oh yeah, this is a tougher one. I'm pretty like positive person overall, pretty upbeat person of, overall. And it's not to say I, I don't see some of the bad in the, the world, especially today, but it's hard to pick out a chill. I I think as uh, one thing I'll say, it, it's not really a chill, but one thing I, I think I'll just say here is that I think product marketing is at this interesting inflection point. We are, there's an influx of kind of new product marketers coming to Shareword and asking questions and joining these other organizations that kind of represent product marketers. And there's probably not a week that goes by that, that you probably, probably don't get a number of LinkedIn messages from people interested in product marketing. And, and it's, it's the same with me too. I probably have a few conversations every week of saying, Hey, how did you break into product marketing? And can you help me with this or that? Or can you read my resume or just questions like that? So I'm so excited for the next, let's just call it three, four or five years of product marketing and what that looks like. I think the past 10 years have been incredibly exciting, but I think we're going to see that grow exponentially over the next you know, five years. Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through your career from starting your own company, being the first product marketer, and now establishing the function at Iterable. I'm really excited to see what happens and for this narrative to roll out. Salespeople want short, digestible insights. They don't want 17-page decks that are scattered across the web and who knows where. Clue makes it easy to create and deliver battle cards. In a pinch, sales teams can find them easily with all the insights they need on how to handle their competitors while working a deal. And with Clue, it's not just sales teams who want battle cards. The product team, customer success, and marketing, they all compete too. Now, everyone can compete to win. For any of you wondering how to put together a competitive enablement program or build battle cards that your sales team will love, head over to clue.com slash thrills. That's K-L-U-E dot com slash thrills. Tell them that I sent you and they'll set you up with a bunch of free resources that you can use to get started. Don't forget to subscribe as we'll be back next Thursday. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, things you liked, things you want to hear, anything else, please email podcast at sharebird.com. That's podcast plural at sharebird.com. This podcast is produced by Sharebird, the peer mentoring platform for product marketers. It's a place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. A special thanks to Alex for helping bring this show to life. Jolisha is our senior editor. Serbi is our master scheduler. Our podcast art was designed by Vika Karpitsky. Our music is by Joaquim Karud. And of course, Jason and Katie over at Clue. As always, thanks for listening. 